Hey everybody, it's Sam um, with Biz and Alexi. Welcome back to NIMFED Alumni. We're going to be talking about Olivia Rodrigo today and her new album, Sour. Um, so what did you guys think? Did you guys listen to the whole album? Uh, I think this is where our listeners are going to drag me for like not doing my homework. But like more or less, yes. But I've definitely closely kept up with her career and like I think more important than her actual album, which seems to have some throwaways, is the fact that it's all about one boy who's like low-key gay, but also the like cra- <laughs> the crazy promotion plan of like releasing these super viral singles, um, not back to back, but I think the timing of it was really good. Um, and they're all like kind of di- different yeah. enough to like really establish her voice. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I listened to it a couple times so far. I think it's a really good album, but it is interesting how people are, are applauding it for having that kind of, like you said, a different uh, vibe on every song. Because I mean that I mean she's she's super super talented. The album is great, but it reminds me kind of of um, when Harry Styles had his, his album came out. What was that album called? The one where he's wearing like the pink. He's in like the pink bathtub. Oh, or maybe it's a fine line. I think. I don't know, but it's one of his albums, all of his songs just sounded very different to each other and people kind of versed him for that. But I guess Olivia Rodrigo is like more talented and less experienced than him. Mm -hmm. So maybe. I think his was like post boy band, like really trying hard to figure himself out. But hers is kind of a post Disney kind of establishing of identity, I guess. But we can talk more about, I think this is obviously going to come up, like how she seems very premeditated. Like, she's kind of a prefab, prefab superstar. I didn't realize that that's kind of what I like about her. um, That I like that she is like a pop star, that like it feels like a state mandated pop album. Like, I like they are forcing her down our throats. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm kind of tired of like this democratized pop entertainment thing. I think it's like really undermined the state of culture. And honestly, this is kind of a I don't know if most people agree with me, but like I really do think like the general public should be told what to like aesthetically and musically. <laughs> yeah. And we've been missing that. Um and I'm I'm like very happy that they're finally like daddy institution is like coming down and like forcing us to listen but there to hasn't, I feel like there hasn't been like a good Disney pop star in a while. So I feel like that somehow the machine got going again because I mean, Selena, I mean, I guess Selena Gomez wasn't great, but like Miley Cyrus and Britney Spears and stuff before her. And then there's just kind of been like a lull for the past 10 years mm-hmm. in terms of stars coming out of Disney, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think the thing is that most people that actually listen to her music aren't young enough to be super familiar with her Disney days. Like, I know she came out of the High School Musical remake, but she was also on Bizarre Dvarks with Logan. <laughs> Jake Paul. Yeah, Jake, Jake Paul. Jake. So funny. <laughs> So I think, I don't know, everything about her, like, the timing just seems so, like, impeccable. And I think, yeah, Sam, you're right. She's, like, a crypto-fash pop star. (laughs) And I think she just has so much appeal. But I think in, like, classic Disney star format, and I guess Selena Gomez never had, like, a psychotic break or, like, a public, like, meltdown or weird change of aesthetics. I don't know. She did become, like, more sexy, but in a way that wasn't particularly groundbreaking. I can't really picture Olivia Rodrigo, like, losing her shit or, like, becoming, like, a drug-addled, like, former child star. Um, 
Which maybe has to do with her Wasianness. if we wanted to touch on that. No, I agree. She seems extremely stable, even in the even though this album is about the ups and downs of a, a very difficult breakup, her public persona is so stable. And but why is that? Like there's yeah. I guess it's because she's always wearing like Brandy Melville and these like kind of PG-13 corset tops and something about it just seems very um, moderated but not in the way that like a lot of Disney stars wear where it's like super super curated to be child friendly but there is something about it yeah that's like maybe it is her Asian-ness that is like yeah that weird conflict between her music being like so emotional and like very like good for you for sure is like an unhinged vibe it's totally not Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't um, seem very convincing to me, and I don't know if I'm totally convinced that she's, like, actually wrecked by this one boy who was her, like, co-star. Um, that Joshua Bassett. Joshua Bassett, yeah. I'm not... I don't know. The story of Driver's License, I think Driver's License blew up because everyone was like, oh, it's, like, actually about this guy who is, like, actually into this girl. But the true story is that he was, like, three years older than her or something, so that's why he, like, turned her down. Um, and because he's gay yeah but like his even his coming out was so like sanitized he just said in some random MTV interview that he had a crush on Harry Styles like mm-hmm. it was really epic it was like oh. oh Harry's so hot and then he was like I guess this is a coming out interview I thought that was really funny coming out is what <laughs> it was so bare minimum I was yeah, like, he didn't actually say he was gay so I guess we shouldn't say that he's gay but um, I want his news to be leaked wait <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of, like, dramatic. Um, is he... Oh, he's still he 18. He's, he's Olivia's 18 now. Okay. Mm-hmm, she is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, I'm not trying to... Um, I'm well, not trying to see him naked. Like... I just mean, like, that's... I want, like, something more, like, secretive or, like, something a little bit less planned. Like, the fact that it was in a, the midst of a press interview, like, I thought that was weird. Mm, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, it, it's so... Like, you don't accidentally come out in an MTV interview. Like, you're not like, oh, I guess this is a coming out interview on accident. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, do y'all remember when Vanessa Hudgens had her Those were the leave? most epic news. That was big for me in middle school. Time. That was during like, the yeah. happening. <laughs> Wait. Was she? Oh, you my God. So? No, no, no. Because I was in I was Oh, no, in it was way before the sure. happening. This was before hackers. Like, hackers yeah. were, like, a rare breed at this oh. time. Not really relatively. It was, like, yeah. it was during the peak of High School Musical. So she was really young. Yeah, it was a really what? She was, like, I think it was yeah. like she was, like, 18 in the news or something. Like, something very. Well, because I'm just going to give you guys a quick rundown for those who haven't seen them. I, there's a photo of one of her nudes. She's literally posing with an Eeyore stuffed animal. I'm not kidding. Like I think she was like 15. <laughs> no, she was she was eight. She was 18. Was she? Yeah, I just looked it up, but maybe we can still cut it. Okay. Um, well, it's okay. I didn't mean to scare everybody. This paranoia about age is very central to the cultural mm. phenomena that oh, is God. Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole cottage industry surrounding like millennials being like oh, why am I like crying about this album? Like I'm in my 30s, Olivia, like whatever I hate that form of media it's another self-deprecating thing where it's like you're embarrassingly but also publicly admitting to engaging in culture that you think isn't for you but like yeah here you are that's the thing too is that these people are like 
so millennials now run the media and like they need to like accept that they are the institution like take responsibility mm-hmm. for this this is a good thing you guys have power now like that's really cool you should like just accept that you guys are the culture industry now like that you work for like a music magazine like this is why you're listening to this album like this is your job uh, also I don't understand, like, pop stars have always been really young. Yeah. And Billie Eilish was younger than Olivia Rodrigo when she started becoming super popular. So, yeah. and I don't think people were as, like, weird about it. No, millennials are think. making it so weird. Like, they're just mm-hmm. very too yeah. self-aware and, like, um, have Peter Pan syndrome and, like, showing their whole ass and, like, their <laughs> weird, like, stupid, like, insecurities. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... And, oh, I think it's really yeah. like the the singular content of the album, and this is where we can really get into how Olivia Rodrigo fits into a lineage of like female pop soloists that make a singular obsession like their thing. And I think she knew what she was doing with that. Um, and I think she knew what she was doing when she made the object of her affection very obvious, because that's something like Taylor Swift is very well known for doing. She also has a lot of comparisons mm. to Lord in terms of like the I don't know, combination of youthfulness and um, emotional maturity, maturity or like able to ability to articulate something. I don't know. The thing is, I have no one that I um, can think of when I listen to things like this. So it really doesn't like hit hard. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's very unique, I think, almost like you can compare her. To, I've heard her compared to Billie Eilish to Avril Lavigne, which is random to like uh Haley Williams is a big one after good for you because that song is kind of like everyone is questioning if it's like a sample or interpolation of misery business because they're very they are like, super similar. similar yeah like if you listen to the the tracks uh-huh. and even like the the vocal progressions they're super similar I it is interesting how pop punk is becoming the driving force in regular pop because we even saw that with like I mean, if we're talking about, like, the lowest form of pop music, some TikTokers like Lil Huddy and Nessa Barrett, they have huge pop-punk pop, pop punk influences <laughs> on their, their music that they put out in the past six months as well. I think it's just that acknowledgement of, like, mm-hmm. alternative culture, but in a way that is very... I don't know. I think it has to do a lot with 2000s nostalgia, because in the 2000s, alternative or like pop punk music was very heavy on the radio like I literally heard misery business so many times and you know adjacent things and I think it fits in well with like e-boy e-girl aesthetics like especially when you think of Avril Lavigne she was like the CEO of punk schoolgirl Uh and I feel like Lil Peep it was someone oh yeah huge influence on this type of uh music going so mainstream and he was boy yeah and yeah. punk has infiltrated rap as well i mean like lil uzi vert his whole thing is he like is an emo kid but also like a rapper yeah. there's something very like well, cute and like, juvenile um, about it everyone um, kind of grew up on that sort of thing and it's almost like i remember you saying alexi like how like when you were in high school you would be wearing lifestyle sneakers because you wanted to look millennial and it's like i would also like i would also like dress very like everyone tent kind of dressed um, in a way that was like aspirational to millennial aesthetics, and so that's kind of like now is the time for them to like really embody that. Also, this reminds me of something an anonymous friend of the pod said to us once um, on Twitter. Uh, 
uh, that um, pop culture is like oftentimes most um, like at its peak for like teenagers, specifically teenage girls, which I think is really true. Um, and I think I, this is like a very modern phenomenon because like adults don't really produce, they haven't really produced culture since like the 90s. Because like, I don't know, I don't think that our lifestyles as adults, like, are um, very, like, they, they don't facilitate any type of creativity, but... Petra Collins is the only adult producing culture, literally. She's the only one capable. She's she's such a zillennial, yeah. though. I no, think... I think she's, like, I think she's, like, 28 or something. I actually want to know how old Petra really? is. Really? And she was always older than the other rookie girls. Really? Um, she's 28, yeah, but she... Yeah. Uh, Damn. She the good for you music video mm-hmm. i mean that's definitely like a main topic i think we must touch on but in relation to this quote that you've mentioned sam from a <laughs> bestie of the pod um i think not to be like theory of a young girl but a lot of what they talk about is how like the young girl is a member of the most treasured class of consumer society and that like we're very trained to be receptive to media um and like most things are marketed to us because um, unfortunately I will say we're kind of easy. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also like, um, yeah, no, I, I think we're like, like bred to be, especially at that age when you're so vulnerable, you're, you're like made vulnerable in order to be like a perfect consumer. I haven't read theory of a young girl though. I need to. I think the thing is though, that this is kind of coming up in like millennial reactions to this is that, the general feeling towards Olivia Rodrigo is like kind of cheering for her in a way, but also everyone's obviously super jealous that all of her marketing ploys are working without a hitch, you know? I love that though. I loved that in the Good For You music video, they like unapologetically just like shoved like product placement down your throat. Like it felt very early 2000s. Like that, I really liked that. I was like, I, I was like, oh, okay, like you can totally just show me the smart pop popcorn, like really quick. Yeah. Did you guys notice the the, the Jennifer's body influence mm-hmm. and like homage throughout it? Because I thought that was obviously very on brand for like Gen Z's interest in Megan Fox and uh, the Jennifer's body culture. One thing I have to say about that music video is her past two singles have been more. Um, like emotionally vulnerable, like yearning, like missing this relationship you're in. But this one is like quite scornful. I feel like they're directing her to be like seeming unhinged. Like she's making these facial expressions, like crazed smile and like good for you. Like <laughs> it totally just doesn't work. Like I really don't think she has like a hateful bone in her body. She doesn't pull off the Jennifer's body like esque vibe i don't know i was i agree with that i was thinking i was like there's a disconnect between her persona somehow and the way she's acting in this music video with the the super crazy facial expressions but i think i was like she's just a bad actor but then i was like no because she is like an actor i don't know she's like also an actor i think it is just like they're trying to speed up her narrative arc and i think it's alarming that she has like turned edgy this quickly because usually disney will like wait a while to do that and i mean like she doesn't seem her outfit is kind of sexy but um one thing about um petra directing this is like what i think it's like kind of a testament to her genius is that like her brand is to make people uncomfortable with teenage girlhood 
And clearly this worked because everyone is so uncomfortable with like the teenage girlhood of this music video. Um, a good for you music video. Um, I think it like very much shows the effectiveness of her, of her power, I guess. It combined all of the Petra-isms with a very confusing effect, I think. I didn't really understand <laughs> what... I don't know. It was obviously, like, a revenge thing. Like, she was, like, a cheerleader and then, like, put on some latex gloves and burned her room down. The latex gloves? I was, like, thinking of the Billie Eilish Vogue cover shit that we covered a couple episodes ago. I was, like, mm-hmm. damn, like... Uh, oh, yeah the bdsm latex thing really will not die like i really thought it was dead but seeing it come up like this again is crazy i don't think there's like a huge bdsm part but i'm just like still like geez no this is an important thought i think that knee socks have been so played out or like hosiery and tights and thigh highs in general that we have to move to long gloves And I think the Billy shoot was like kind of telling us that. And now this is really telling us that. And I mean, there's not that much like fetishism you can do with arms. Like it's not particularly sexy, I guess, like from a hands thing. But I did test it out. I I bought a bunch of like these tool opera gloves on Amazon and wore them out the other night. And everyone was literally obsessed. Yeah, I when I was working in costuming, I would steal a bunch of different types of like opera length gloves or like lace gloves or just like so many different interesting varieties of gloves and I I personally think I like about gloves is that there's a very interesting like legacy of I guess like femininity and private versus public because it was kind of like you had a public comportment which like required wearing gloves and like a hat and I think I like Mm -hmm. that divide between like a public and private person like, I don't know, that just, like, is a very attractive thing yeah. to me. That's kind of necessary mm-hmm. in this day and age, kind of. There's, like, I like that. I like playing with that binary. But I don't know if she was necessarily getting at that, but I think Lexi's definitely right that the thigh-high trope has been overdone. Gloves with the new socks. Uh, and I think there is something interesting about it. It's a very photogenic mm-hmm. kind of accessory in a way like in terms of posing you can really turn it up but also the night that I was wearing those gloves like I literally couldn't use my fucking phone and it added a very interesting like social element to stuff I have, wow I okay. have a point also to this which is that Lana Del Rey had those iconic horrendous like elbow length pearl gloves that she wore up leading up to Kim Charles over the country club and I think she also wore them on the cover of Kim Trails, but like she's really small in that. But yeah, that definitely speaks to the, the opera glove thing rising in popularity. Yeah. Well, I think actually now that you mentioned it, especially with the phone thing, um, I really want gloves to come back in style. I think it would just really help. Um, and also everybody like gloves are like one sized, like how it's like a very inclusive clothing item. Socks are too, I guess, mm-hmm. but um, it makes everyone look kind of sexy. I think. Yeah. I really liked fitting yeah. people in gloves. It does. It has a slimming effect. It does. And I think honestly, one thing about Petra's use of these latex gloves, it reminded me of that Alexa Demi shoot she did where Alexa Demi is um, mm. in that like black pool of mm-hmm. like mysterious 
reflective liquid. Yeah. So it kind of gave Olivia this effect of like being dipped in some kind of dark substance, almost as if we could visualize her corruption or edginess in this way. And I mean, it's like the one thing that actually happens in the video is like her putting them on. Yeah. And also she's wading through that dark water in her room, which also... Yeah, I guess there's a parallel in the darkness, murky vibes. I think Petra was reusing that set, like literally the bedroom, girl's bedroom with black liquid. I'm like, gosh, sure. (laughs) We already talked about that. But I think um, one thing also is the styling of it was just like, it was a plaid skirt, but like the kind of slim cut one that you would get at Brandy. Like it wasn't like a plaid tennis skirt. Mm. And then with this corset top, that was, I mean, Biz, you've talked a lot about corsets, but it's, like, the exemplary version of, like, party top corset. I don't know. Like, it's really, like, a party tank top that, like, a sorority girl would wear with jeans and, like, platforms. But I think it's by Danielle Guizio, if I'm correct. It's, like, a tank yeah. top, but also a corset that has that, the stay kind of, like, U-shaped. It has... Um, well, what I think is like spandex on the side. And also this the shoot was styled. This is super interesting to me. It was styled by Devin Lee Carlson. Um, who do you guys know who that is? No. Yeah, I knew Sam wasn't gonna know. Oh, she's I don't know. Devin Lee Carlson is like truly it? I would say she's definitely a a Gen Z icon, even though she's a little bit older as well. Like she's definitely in her mid-20s. But she's kind of like a Emma Chamberlain adjacent and she owns this phone case company mm-hmm. called Wildflower Cases and it's just like every like your Sam like your sister probably has like a wildflower phone case like it's just these these really cute phone does, cases actually. that <laughs> always have patterns Shout yeah. out to my um, sister. and this was her styling debut and I thought that was so interesting that like Petra Collins and Devin Lee Carlson were the, the two brains behind this I don't know that felt so interesting to me um, one thing I will say about, like, her, her like, look is, like, she's very, um, like, y'all were kind of talking about how, like, she is kind of faking this, like, crazy, unhinged vibe, but she also just is, like, the quintessential, like, girl that has her shit together, like, especially the way she dresses, that, those fits that she's wearing, very much is, like, girl who has her shit together, um, and I think it almost, like, I guess it's an attempt to make her relatable, and usually attempts to make girls who have their shit together relatable don't work, but it worked really well in my opinion for Olivia. Like, I don't know why these things, they tried so much stuff with her that like normally I would hate and would be really annoying, but it just worked for her. I don't know why. Like, it's very strange. Yeah. I think it's because I've seen so many memes like along this line of, it's like me, I'm not like one of those crazy girls and then it's like actually me and it's like a screenshot from the good for you music video where it's like the whole psycho girl (laughs) trope of like I might seem like I'm a normal girl and I'm like really sweet but I'm actually like deranged and will become obsessed with you and like want to burn your house down the thing is it wasn't even like a revenge thing I was like girl your room is burning like I would get if you like went and set fire to a house maybe like but I think it that in a sense kind of exemplifies that our obsessions as young girls are often like forms of self-harm I think it's really funny that I think yeah I think like I don't believe this whole narrative of her and this guy obviously they're showmans I find very corny but I do think that um 
I don't know. It's not even self-sabotage because she's made a whole thing out of it. And that's what people would always say about Taylor Swift too. Like, you know, maybe she's taking L's in her love life, but she's like taking W's in like the bank and like yeah. the charts. <laughs> yeah, no, these are, I mean, I, I don't think it's like, she doesn't have any control over this. I don't think she wrote, she, there's no way she wrote these songs like herself. No, I think like, she, she wrote, like that was like her whole thing. She's a songwriter. But, but it, mm-hmm. she probably had like, she probably wrote them in like, a team setting with like several people like um like very skeletal it's probably just like a very skeletal like um version of her original um but I, I mean this is t- I mean it is like a very Taylor Swift thing to where she seems very vulnerable and authentic but she's clearly an in- industry plant but it still feels real I don't know um, she's hard to figure out. She's hard to pinpoint, which I think is a good and hopeful thing for the future. I also think that that yeah. Gen Z should have someone to look up to that has their shit together. Like I'm like, that's good that Olivia Rodrigo has this um has her shit together vibe, even though she is still expressing these chaotic emotions. But that's the thing is she's not letting them overtake her persona, which I think was Taylor Swift's downfall in a way was that those revenge motifs or like angriness motifs became too heavy in her uh mm-hmm. f- themeology or something um, and i think whatever the same thing that but... happened with taylor swift where she had like a reclamation of her identity and like her girl boss moment is i think most clearly going to be olivia rodrigo's like next plan like her al- her next album is going to be like fuck that guy like this is about me or something. But I do think, I, th- I think about Taylor Swift's career a lot um, because it really like exemplifies to me why like entertainment shouldn't be democratized in a lot of ways. <laughs> because like, I think that, I mean, people really, uh, they rebranded her after I guess like a moment of controversy. And I, I remember before she rebranded, people would say that like, oh, Taylor Swift's about to turn 27. Like, she shouldn't be writing love songs anymore because this is like immature. Um, so like, let's make her into a girl boss and like have her talk about like feminism and stuff because like that's more mature, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that they should have like, this is like, they shouldn't have listened to the general public and their opinions on Taylor Swift and like rebranded her because she would have had like a Lana Del Rey thing and like just continued writing love songs into her thirties and it would have been great. Um, and like, if they, I don't know, I think a girl boss rebrand is like the death sentence to any pop star's career. Yeah, it's very interesting that you say that about Lana Del Rey. I think that Olivia Rodrigo, like her debut single had this kind of pining, nostalgic, like looking back on a relationship vibe, mm-hmm. which was like so much different than the preemptive, like female simping that I would have imagined of her. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't about a crush. It was about like a former flame, which is like, you seem kind of young to be like doing that. <laughs> I feel like yeah. this is, it's such a, uh, this is not a real hypothesis, but I'm like, I wonder, I feel like recovering from breakups and stuff is so hard with social media because you can have, you can, it's not natural to be able to see what your ex is doing at any time, like after a breakup and just having full access to their life. And I'm like, is that affecting Gen Z's? breakup pathology in some way kind of like Mm -hmm. making it so it's harder to 
have a clean cut or had that person not like reverberating through your brain or something. Yeah. I think another thing too, is that in terms of Gen Z, like relationship, um, not trauma, but like the relationship timeline, there are a lot less um, clear definitions of like relationships starting and ending. I think her song is very relatable to a lot of younger people because like it's more painful to have a false start or like it's more painful to be like hung up over someone that you didn't actually date, you know? Um, oh, that is painful, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of what driver's license is about. And then deja vu is like what you said, Biz, like having to see someone like doing all the same shit they were doing with you. I really, that song is like probably my favorite out of all of them. I think that's the, that's the song writing on that song is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like talking about Talking about watching like, Glee. <laughs> that song is so funny. Can we actually yeah. talk about re- watching Glee? Yeah, like something yeah. about reruns of Glee, singing in harmony. Like so many, a lot of it is like references <laughs> to like mutual media consumption. Like you were singing the song mm. I showed you to her. I'm like, yeah, that is low-key annoying. And now we have, I don't know, it reminds me too much of like when I use Last FM. <laughs> I'm looking at the song lyrics because I'm like so fascinated by this Glee reference now. I have yeah, they were it. like watching reruns of Glee. Because they're thing. both like theater kids that are yeah. a so-called high school musical, the series, the musical, the series. Like they're literally, that's just so crazy. I know. That's yeah. why it's so funny. It's literally a theater kid showmance where like, of course, the leading girl fell for the leading guy without realizing he was gay. Like, <laughs> that's very classic. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, she should have known. Yeah, but I, mean, I think I it's... that's something. Oh, I was just gonna I, say. I think... oh. You go, you go. go. <laughs> I'm just gonna say. I think it's really funny that Joshua Bassett, like, even though a lot of attention was brought to him as the centerpiece of her music, he has absolutely zero traits. Like, he's very unremarkable. <laughs> yeah. Like he literally. Yeah, he's, not even, he's not even like he's not even like heart uh, throbbingly beautiful in the way that, like Zac Efron was for his time. You know yeah. what I mean? Or like Justin Bieber with like the Selena Gomez kind of back and forth. But I think that's romance. that's what makes it very compelling is that people are, are like, okay, wait, who's the guy she's writing this about? You go look, you're like, really him? And then it like makes you realize how much more special she is, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like collectively everyone in culture is like, you go girl, like you don't need him. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely, I don't know. I'm looking at photos of him right now because I always forget, but... He definitely, like, he looks so gay, like, but in, like, a good way. Um, mm-hmm. He looks nice, but, um, yeah, no. But Olivia Rodrigo also kind of looks like she would be gay. Like, um, I don't know. Maybe she is. She'll have her face. I think um, um, one thing that is really cool in the, like, plot line is that uh, he apparently, like, ditched her for Sabrina Carpenter, who's, like, another Disney girl who's, like, blonde hair, blue eyes, very cute. Um, he was kind of like a typical mean girl character. Fuck my life. Wait, my computer's about to die. Um, but what I'll say about that is that I do see a lot of kids on TikTok being like, this song hits different when you're like, or like Olivia Rodrigo hits different when you're like a woman of color. And like, oh. Yeah, when you're like a woman of color and like the blonde white girl is always getting chosen over you, which I'm just like, she's objectively like, what? She's I a lot know. hotter than Sabrina. Sabrina. This girl, Sabrina. It, yeah, it definitely yeah, brings Sam with... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Sam called Olivia Rodrigo institutionally hot, which mm-hmm. feels yeah. so accurate. She's so skinny. And, yeah, she's um, got a perfect face. 
yeah, she's a perfect face and a very versatile body type for styling and all that kind of stuff. Um, she's so skinny oh that I yeah. don't even see her sexually. I think that's why yeah. she's so popular with girls is because like she's the kind of girls that girls find perfect. And Sabrina Carpenter yeah. is like the kind of girls that guys like. Um, Agreed. Oh, I was going to change the topic a little bit. Just talk about the merch box that she sent out <laughs> before the release because that was such an epic rookie moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys didn't see it, a lot of celebrities received it and kind of like posted on their Instagram stories. But it was basically this giant box with um, made to look like a composition notebook. And on the inside, it had a lot of different loot. One of the things was like, those little candy hearts with like catchphrases from her songs and song titles. And do you guys remember anything else in there that was interesting? There's a box Probably. of tissues, mm-hmm. a tape, tape, like a cassette tape, um, stickers. Oh, and, and then a, a bumper sticker for your car. And it says like, I just got my license or something. Oh my God. Um, yeah. It's, it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's, it's so that really, after seeing Kim Kardashian posting how much she loved Olivia Rodrigo, and like, I think it really made me realize that we're really seeing rookie aesthetics become mass culture. Even that album cover yes. where she's like has her tongue sticking out with stickers all over her face, I'm like, this is so rookie. Yeah, rookie's been institutionalized officially, and we I kind know. of saw it coming because it's like. It's weird that like it's it's it, I mean when it was already weird that Petra Collins was directly directing like rap music videos like that's the weirdest thing that like that's when I knew it was going to be something strange because like that aesthetic is like so niche and like antithetical to rap music I don't know um, <clears throat> but um it's like it's like the number one visual representation of teenage girlhood like universally somehow mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. like being highly decorative and this riot girl inspired lots of different fem- like feministy twee influences stickers yeah. everywhere <laughs> and i think stickers we could do a whole do you guys episode like, the album about, cover? like no stickers? but I, I, gotta... I still have my rookie box of stickers under my bed um. i know it's only really like i think petra collins gave her the rights to all the stickers that came in the rookie yearbook that's like so butterfly, funny. gold star, like, ugh, God, it's a lot. But I don't know. I, I think stickers are important because they are participatory. That's why people like them. It's like a good mix of like being handed something, but also being allowed to um, DIY something. <laughs> it's just like the rookie collage kits in a way. Yeah. Great. Um. No, they're good for like um I. For like writing letters and stuff, for making your diary right, look yeah. cute. Yeah, the whole composition yeah. notebook too. It's like, oh, this is like reminiscent of her songwriting notebook or something, probably because she probably yeah. writes all of her songs like in notebook after school. It's very funny that she has all of these like high school aesthetics. I'm like, girl, you probably like had a tutor. No, on yeah, set. I watched. I watched. A, yeah. I was watching a bunch of her interviews and stuff earlier, and she said that she never went to high school. Like she never went to real high school. Poser. So, it is. You're right. She went to High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> it's so funny. Also, I think. Do you guys know who Conan Gray is? Of course. 
Good great. <laughs> I don't know. He's, I don't know he's the male Olivia Rodrigo, but he kind of like fell off. He was another Wajian. He started off as a YouTuber, so he was kind of almost like Troy Sivan. Really? Yeah, he was a YouTuber. And then he know. made Olivia Rodrigo-esque songs. Um, and one of them was called Idle Town, and he's like talking about how his town sucks. He's like literally the male version of being into Rookie. Uh, oh, he's so interesting because... The song Heather, which is what made Oh my god, clear. yeah. I'm like, that is another moment where I'm like the the homo vibes are very interesting because he is gay. Mm-hmm. And the song is about no, the song is about the boy he likes having a crush on this girl named Heather, who's like a perfect Sabrina Carpenter-esque girl. When I yeah. when I would listen to it just on like on TikTok and stuff, I would always think he was just it just sounds like a love letter to or love song to this girl, which is probably kind of like the point but it definitely got really confusing in my little brain like I was like wait is he gay like what is this about I think no that's it makes perfect sense and you know Heather it was so weird that it became synonymous with like the girl that everyone wants to be like people would be like my mom was Heather in high school and like show pictures mm-hmm. of, like a really popular mom and you know now that you mentioned that I do think that the formula to success and becoming relatable to Gen Z is hammering home like feelings of ina- inadequacy or like the general yeah. vibe of constantly comparing yourself to others because that is like the Gen Z yeah. mindset. Well, they like Gen Z likes jocks and bimbos. Like they don't care about like any but anything else. Like they that's their idols. Like even the most like alt alt kids will have like what y'all like the comfort idol of like Trisha Paytas or something. Like it's just like <laughs> yeah. You know. And that's why I think I want, like, a rise up. Sabrina Carpenter actually, like, made a song after Driver's License. God, all of this was such, like, a shitty PR stunt. But it was basically very, like, spiteful and being, like, sorry, like, I'm, like, popular in Disney or something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which was really funny. Yeah, I hope she gets something out of this. Sabrina Carpenter is... Why? She's so... I don't know why she doesn't have the same appeal as Olivia Rodrigo. It's because Olivia I, Rodrigo, she looks I mean, too we, normal. Should, we should read that pitchfork quote where it's like, literally, we're convinced that Olivia Rodrigo is the underdog. I'll read it. I have it on my phone. I'll read it right now. This is, guys, this is a quote from the pitchfork review of the album is named Sour. Sour. Um, in the way, the flattening effect of the internet has worked in her favor, allowing her. Someone who has been on TV for roughly a third of her life and is signed with the biggest record company in the world to slip into the role of the underdog. It is I mean, true. I think also, like, uh, it's hard to... I think uh, the barrier of entry for, like, any type of institutional culture has gotten so difficult to, like, pass that, like, she almost is an underdog, even if she has, like, already a running start with this. I was um, thinking about, like, why did I have no idea that she came from Disney until I started to do more research? And I was, I think it has something to do with the fact that there are so many, there's such a diverse range of media now and different types of media you consume. And, like, I thought of her as someone who blew up on TikTok and, yeah, I wasn't familiar with her origins in Disney. And I'm like, that definitely has something to do with it, right? Like, like this writers have the flattening effect of the internet, like. Yeah, no, I think, like, um. It's almost easier to, I mean, that's the thing. That's like the blessing and curse of like the internet fame cycle is like, it's like a lot easier to blow up if you are like a YouTuber or a TikToker than like a Disney star, Mm -hmm. but you're also going to like, 
I don't think there's an you do need a backing of mm-hmm. some sort of like powerhouse behind you to in order to make that influence last because like a lot of these other like viral stars I guess they fall off really easily because they don't have anything any like any foundation under them it happened um, to Madison Beer she kind of blew up super virally in the early like 2010s or late 2000s but then she actually got dropped by her record label a couple years later because of like poor poor performance or whatever that makes sense. I just bought like a ton of tickets to see Madison Beer in concert. <laughs> what do you mean a ton of them? Like the maximum amount. Like I bought like a hundred. No. <laughs> like I guess it's not that many. It's four, but I can't think oh. of like four people I want to go with. Um... I think. Okay, one thing I will say about Olivia Rodrigo is that she has like little old me energy. Like she seems so shy, and I think there's mm-hmm. this. I always see people like gassing up her or like other celebrities that are more established interacting with her music. Like I know she took a picture with Taylor Swift at some awards show and everyone was like, Oh my God, like she met her idol. Like she was just a Taylor Swift like fan a few years ago and now they're like on the same level. So I think people are very much enjoying seeing her participate with like the leagues of culture that are, or like the foundations of her vibe. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, also one thing I will say is like um maybe because like media is so oversaturated, like there's so much content that like it really doesn't it's not a big deal at all to be like a Disney star because there's like thousands and thousands of TV shows and movies that like everybody's fingertips like nobody knows who anyone in any of these shows are. Mm-hmm. You know? Like like net that because of like Netflix and stuff like it just I don't yeah, know how it's hard to become famous. I feel like it's like the superstar machine the superstar machine is very different now and the making of an icon is so much more few and far in between which is why people like Dua Lipa have these really successful careers but someone uh my friend Megan tweeted something really funny that was like Dua Lipa will never be an icon, which is like, I think that's how I like to that funny when I say it out loud, but it's just funny to <laughs> think about, like, because she tries very hard to have that kind of, like, yeah. performer, the high-level performance and, like, the co- dancing costumes and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why Isn't I think Olivia... is Albanian mafia? Yeah, she is Albanian. Yeah, I, I think Albanian girls are, like, really good at being pop stars. There was a while where they, like, took over everything. Well, did y'all see that those like that Twitter thread that went really viral about how like the Albanian mafia is like funding like Dua Lipa and like Rita Ora and BB uh, Rexha? Yeah. Well, I mean she's flopping, so they're not doing that good of a job. I think I feel bad for her. her Albanian pop flopped. girls, yeah. Albanian pop girls make music for Forever Twenty One, but I think Dua Lipa, I think she has a little bit of star power. I'm not gonna lie. But I think the thing about Olivia Rodrigo is that people are like oh, she's a fan, and, like, now people are fans of her. Like, people like to see that um thing go on. And it's I like think the they're, like... the life cycle, kind of, of pop yeah, stars. Yeah, and they're content farming her, like, rise to fame, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe how... Just, like, one last note on her success is she literally broke every single record for streaming. I think she broke just normal, um, like, billboard records. Like, she broke them all yeah. and that's just and all all billy can crazy. do is break instagram records at this point yeah well, yeah True. slay oh Lexi, on that point um 
I think it's really funny Olivia Rodrigo said that she's inspired by Fiona Apple. That's so on <laughs> fucking brand for the time. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There's some there's uh, similar skinnynesses. She's really like a they princess. Look, they look similar, yeah. Olivia Rodrigo's she really is. a princess. It's weird. She's also she's also gonna bring long hair back into style. Oh, I love her long hair. On a mainstream on a mainstream level. Um, I wonder if her acting so, career is like done. Like I don't want to see her act in anything. No offense. I feel like she's probably a good actor though, but she's too she's too normal, pretty. Like there's nothing interesting about her pretty. Like she needs to have, it, like she needs to have a personality. And actors don't have personalities. Like that's the point. Like mm-hmm. um, that's what makes her interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's even a solid point. I'm just saying shit at this point. I'm just thinking about if she's if she's normal, pretty or not. I'm like, yeah, I guess she does look like a lot of. No, she, she's Victorian like normal for a. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Um. So should we move on to our next segment, our last segment, which is the Tavi update? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, a good segue is that, like, this extended version of the new Gossip Girl trailer came out, and I would say, like, maybe half the cast is Asian. Like, there's maybe Literally, one. Literally, yes. There's maybe one, like, normal white person in it, and, like, everyone else is mixed. Most of them are Asian, some of them have buzz cuts. Yeah, that is true. Um, Tavi is she it's kind of everyone knew she was gonna have a role in this but the trailer just came out and this was the first time we actually saw her being associated with gossip girl and like the new series um and she looks what do you guys think about her appearance in the trailer i mean i don't know if she's an actress like i've never seen her act or wait i saw her in like a james gandolfini movie once like um like uh but I don't know if I could see her in Gossip Girl. Like she's too, she's like a, I know she's playing like a, like a goody two shoes girl, but like it, like gossip, the, the whole thing of Gossip Girl is like, you know, adding a tinge of edginess to um, the goody two shoes like mentality, I guess. I don't know. She can, I don't think she could ever really be edgy. I don't think it's going to be a very good show, but I'm going to watch it anyways. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch it either. And I think, like, all of the, like, POC characters are going to be really mean in attempt to, like, subvert the trope of, like, popular people popular people being white. And so, of course, Tavi's going to be like, oh, these people are so, like, different and, like, cultured and weird. I don't know. It's, it reminds me of, like, 21 Jump Street whenever they, I think that was the first time it was acknowledged in culture that, like, hipster kids are, like, more difficult to navigate <laughs> than, like, normal popular kids. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Like popular hipsters, I guess. Like, Tavi's probably gonna be uncool in this. I think she's being. It's so crazy that she's being typecasted as her childhood version, but she doesn't really seem that hipster in this new version. But like, it's literally like the perfectionist child who is like high achieving and is named Kate Keller. Kate Keller. Kate Keller um she does look like her age is not the age of the other people in that show i agree with that i feel like everyone else looks relatively on brand as terms of like what people that are cast to play high schoolers looks like look like but toppy's too she's so small that like she's pointy um like her face is very angular which makes her pretty but it doesn't make her look young 
Mm-hmm. Like she, even when she was young, she didn't look young. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's never looked like in, like she was in high school. Um, I hope she like speaks in Latin the entire like <laughs> the entire she's series. Like, she's like an ancient witch. Yes, she <laughs> like, like it's just like we shouldn't. This is not. I don't know. Yeah, she looks like she's one of those people that perpetually looks uh, twenty nine years old, which is good. Mm-hmm. She's gonna age into that well, but I think she's gonna end up being like the least famous person on this. Like, I don't think Gen Z like cares. Yeah, maybe this is I, like. But their, I will say, this is like a millennial bait type of thing. Her, yeah. her, um, and Petra really did succeed in going mainstream, though. I guess even though obviously she like Gossip Girl, like a reboot of this type, doesn't have the same type of clout that being a cast in the original Gossip Girl would have had, but they. They succeeded in building these these empires for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think they've even... There's, like, no way they can ever be repaid for their, their impact on culture. Like, it, mm. al- it almost feels, like, kind of... Like, I feel kind of bad that even though I she's agree. in Gossip Girl, it's, like, this kind of feels like a low... The low bar for, like, it's the a impact consolation that prize, they really had. Uh, I agree. That yeah. seems very accurate. It's yeah. kind of, like, sad somehow. It is. <laughs> I mean, Petra, I I mean, even then, it's, like, she, like, Biz, you made this point. It was hilarious, and it's true. Like, she's, like, the fairy godmother you bring in to, like, alternify a random star, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, she is, like, the industry's, like, alt fairy godmother, but even then, their impact is so huge. Yeah, it's, it doesn't feel like they're ever going to get the opportunity to make the art that they, like, like, the, I feel like they're never going to be, like, film directors or something. I mean, yeah. maybe they can, but I'm like, why not do that now? Like Greta Gerwig, for example, was someone who also was had this like very successful career and then used it to springboard her career as a director. Yeah. Well, Petra Collins is making that Selena Gomez movie, oh, she right? Is. You're right. Uh, I, I saw was like wrong. screenshots of that of like the. Well, I don't think it's gonna do well. Like, do you really think that sound. her? quote unquote like potential passion project is gonna be so different than like the commercial music videos she directs. No. That's what no. I mean. I don't think she's I don't think they're like going to Yeah, like I just I don't know. I feel like their potential has been reached and now it just kind of there's like a like diaspora of their um yeah. influence, but it doesn't have like they don't have like a single greatest work or something. Yeah, and I think it's like kind of background creatives, I think Tavi doesn't have like star potential as a leading girl but I think it's really funny Gen Z and like stan culture people in general like they I see so many people being like Olivia Rodrigo new music video like everything about it is such a serve but it's not like they cite like oh Petra Collins did a really great job of directing this and it's the same thing that happens with k-pop too they're like I don't know the the artist like gets to take all the credit for the creative work or they're just mm-hmm. like, Olivia looks so good. Like, this is so cool. Like, no one's doing it like her. Um, and I think it's all, I don't know, like, accredited to her instead of them. I think Gen Z, like, doesn't have the same respect for, um, like, the people who work in production or who work in creative direction. Well, Gen Z is, like, a very poor poor grasp on nuance in general, like, in all on all fronts. It's probably just because they're also very young and they mm. I'll give them I'll give them a few years, but like I don't I don't think that they're very new like nuanced. Yeah, generation. and a, a poor grasp on like the 
conventions of like referencing I think because they grew up on Pinterest or they grew up in this age of um I don't know why I'm saying they this is literally me and just like this age of <laughs> like very typified uh aesthetics or uh-huh. you know just pure images with no context well I think yeah they, everything you know. is, everything's lost it's like for example in fashion luxury brands and designers used to have like authorship over trends and now they don't mm-hmm. and I guess that's the same thing with everything right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like the copy without an original thing yeah I just think yeah. that our reception of this video is like a Petragon's production like not everyone is but most that. people yeah yeah well is there anything else you guys want to say about um pop music Olivia Rodrigo or another topic update i think that um, obviously Asians are Asian supremacy <laughs> is already taking effect i mean conan gray mitski and now this girl who like literally could not have more mass appeal true i agree yeah we're, we're gonna keep see it see it increase yeah um maybe we'll make some sort of graph or something no that would really, <laughs> like really not do that i think but... that wouldn't go over well with people <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! I like that she's Filipino. I think Filipina. I, I don't know. That's something that we we talked about this, but it might have gotten deleted. Was this like my yeah. recording? Anyway, she's oh, like gonna repair. Yeah, she's gonna repair Filipino American identity single handedly. She's, she's gonna repair global relations. Yeah, uh, she has like okay. a diplomatic princess like air to her. She does. I agree. It's in the teeth. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. No, she very much is like um, generalized, like, um, yeah, princess is like a perfect, that's like a thing, like the princess, like UN child princess thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. she's like got this like, I don't know, like very um, magical, sparkly energy, like, um, yeah, so millennials, millennials stop trying to harvest it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna make uh, like the us- next leave Britney alone, but it's about Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, let <laughs> us know what you guys think about Olivia Rodrigo and the album, and your thoughts on the pop music landscape at large and how it's changing. Yeah, and uh, the return of Tavi and the uh, way that culture has treated the rookie mag legacy and the, the Asian legacy. Yeah. yeah. You also the upcoming Wajin Vanguard. <laughs> yep. Which, is this time to drop Dean Kissick? I'm like Dean Kissick. This is no. Your <laughs> <laughs> this is your fault somehow. <laughs> Dean Kissick, fight me. Um, um, all right, I have to go because um, I have to walk. Yeah, it's like yeah, I'm sweepy. Day. All right, okay. everyone, Bye. thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>